Good evening, folks. This is your host, Terry Farley in Dallas, Texas. Now calling to each one of you from the eye of the storm. The eye is at the very center of a hurricane. Regardless of how powerful the hurricane, the eye at the center is calm. God's word leads us to the eye, for the Lord encourages each of us to be still and know that he is God. Psalm 46, verses 10 and 11. Psalm 46, verses 10 and 11. Thank you each and every one very much for joining me this evening. I really appreciate it. And welcome to all, especially our new listeners, greetings from <laughs> the eye of the storm. Tonight we continue our heading for Calm Harbor, our port of call, centered at the very eye of the storm. I uh, hope we make it. Uh, no, a seeming problem that erupted at the opening of our final program of 2022 on Last Christian, uh, airing New Year's Eve. It proved itself an enlightening and even prophetic foreshadowing. Our Saturday evening program, subtitled It's a Wrap, coincided perfectly with the impending New Year's Eve celebration. So I had focused on the subject of time. As I give you folks a repeat of the program, you'll be as amazed at the twist the program took as I was, uh, as I as was I when reviewing it. The perspective was entitled. What time is it anyway? The Lord willing uh, took on a whole new depth of meaning. Approaching the birth of uh, the new year, 2023, Getter posted a countdown clock this morning. Again, uh, this is New Year's Eve preparing for the big change to 2023. From their calculations, their posting is in U.S. Eastern Standard Time. 2022 is passing away. 2023 is preparing to be birthed at midnight, uh, 0.01 seconds, framed more perfectly as one atomos, one atomic moment past the hour, consisting of one atom, the smallest particle in the universe, immediately after midnight. To determine the true actual time, since we have roughly just short of an hour to consider the question this evening, <clears throat> what time is it anyway? And as we approach midnight and the changing of the calendar to a brand new fresh year, let's first look at the larger issue of what exactly is time. Uh, a Google reference definition reads, in math, time can be defined as an ongoing and continuous sequence of events that occur in succession from the past through the present into the future. Time is used to quantify, measure, and compare the duration of events or the intervals between them, and even sequence events. So, time is a quantifier, keeping track of events past, present, and future. <clears throat> For we Christians, time is viewed as twofold, temporal or temporary, and eternal, or that time when time no longer is an issue. God inspired the writers of the Bible to project a divine overview of time, both in the Tanakh the Old Testament, that believers in God, specifically those 
of us who accept Jesus as God and Messiah to better navigate the challenges of this life, including and especially time factoring. For example, 2 Peter 3.8, But beloved, be not ignorant of this one thing, that one day is with the Lord as a thousand years, and a thousand years is one day. So Peter answers from the human perspective the question of what time is as regards God's viewpoint when he couples the ordinal word, first, second, etc., with the word day, specifying each day then is in fact 24 hours. For God, time is measured differently than man's perception views it. Most accept the basic understanding that a long time depends on the reference period, while a short time to God may be a long time to man. But Peter is reaching much deeper in defining the reality of time to believers in Jesus. He first warns against ignorance, because without knowledge, a person is not going to understand the meaning that God intends them to receive. A good example would be Jesus' use of parables, as he notes in Matthew 13, 13. Therefore I speak to them in parables, because they seeing, see not, and hearing, they hear not neither do they understand. Because people refuse to listen, accept, and believe what Jesus is saying, he intentionally speaks to them in parables that they will not understand. He is simply applying the instructions Isaiah received from God in Isaiah 6, verses 9 through 13. And the Lord said to Isaiah, and he said, Go and tell this people, Hear ye indeed, but understand not. See ye indeed, but perceive not. Make the heart of this people fat, and make their ears heavy, and shut their eyes, lest they see with their eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their heart, and convert and be healed. Then said I, Lord, how long? And he answered, Until the cities be wasted without inhabitant, the houses without man, the land be utterly desolate, and the Lord have removed men far away, and there be a great forsaking in the midst of the land. But yet in it shall be a tenth, and it shall return, and shall be eaten. And as a teal tree, and as an oak, whose substance is in them, when they cast their leaves, so the holy seed shall be the substance thereof. So God tells Isaiah to intentionally speak to the people that hear that they will not understand, to see but not to see. Make the hearts of these people fat, make their ears heavy, shut their eyes, lest they see with their eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their hearts, and be converted and be healed. If you understand God and see and hear what he is saying, it is because you have obeyed him. And if you refuse God, he will ensure that you reject him unto utter failure and devastation. This was God's message for Isaiah to preach to all who will not listen to God. And that is why Jesus came to, once and for all, die for the sins of all mankind. As the Apostle John wrote in 1 John 2, verses 1 and 2, My little children, these things write I unto you, that ye sin not. And if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. And he is the propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. 
And hereby we do know that we know him if we keep his commandments. Yes, Jesus died for the sins of the whole world. And whosoever calls upon Jesus shall be saved for eternity. And to you who are listening, if you are not certain you are saved, call upon him right now. He will answer you and show you great and mighty things you do not know, per Jeremiah 33.3. That's the verse my first pastor called God's phone number, Jeremiah 33.3. Remember, our quest this evening is to determine what time is it anyway. So, We know that time is structured in two main categories, temporal and temporary, in which each of us walks through life, some longer and some shorter than others. But no one knows the length of their life. Even when doctors predict a person will die of an illness, they always predict in general terms. They never say, tomorrow at 3 o'clock in the afternoon. In such a case, they will probably suggest, well, within the next day or so. Why? God's answer is revealed in Revelation, chapter 1, verses 17 and 18. Jesus himself declares, Fear not, I am the first and the last. I am he that lives and was dead. And behold, I am alive forevermore. Amen. And have the keys of hell and death. Revelation, chapter 1, verses 17 and 18. Notice, heaven is never mentioned here. Why? Because there are no doors, bars, or closed gates in heaven. We don't have to worry about walls. Returning to our main subject, okay, but what time is it anyway? We know that there is temporal or temporary time, and there is eternal time, which is outside of temporal, lasting forever. We are now in temporal time. What is God's view of how we should spend our temporary time? Jesus declared, take no thought for tomorrow. Sufficient to the day is the evil thereof, Matthew 6, 34. Proverbs 27, 1 states, boast not thyself of tomorrow, for thou knowest not what a day may bring forth. Paul instructs our view uh, and attitude should be daily, as in Hebrews chapter 3, verses 12 through 16. Take heed, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. But exhort one another daily while it is called today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. For we are made partakers of Christ if we hold the beginning of our confidence steadfast unto the end. While it is said today, if you will hear his voice, harden not your hearts, as in the provocation. For some, when they had heard, did provoke, Howbeit not all that came out of Egypt by Moses, but with whom was he grieved forty years? Was it not with them that had sinned, whose carcasses fell in the wilderness? And to whom swear he that they should not enter into his rest, but to them that believed not? So we see that they could not enter in because of unbelief. Hebrews chapter 3, verses 12 through 19. First, Paul warns that in this present hour, we shall be tempted to depart from the Lord. So we are to continue to daily, and that is daily, folks, exhort, encourage one another. And Paul then emphasizes, while it is called today, hear his voice, harden not your hearts, giving as an example 
those in the 40 years of wandering in the desert who opposed Moses, thus opposing God. Importantly, Jesus told the rich man in hell that anyone that did not believe Moses, those deniers would not even believe if one were raised from the dead. So our focus on time should be daily, even sensitive to the hour and the very moment. The very moment, per Jesus and Paul, Jesus declaring that when he shouts for his bride at the imminent any moment rapture on the day that must be called today, most, if not all, will be in an hour in which they think not. Certainly this evening, New Year's Eve, would fall into that category, don't you think? Here we are, only a few hours from the changing of the calendar for the entire world. Some, in other time zones, may have already come into the new year. For example, Kiribati, a 33-island nation in the Pacific Ocean, with 21 of its islands inhabited, uses UTC plus 14 time, which is the earliest time zone on Earth. And due to the curvature of this nation of islands, Kiribati technically experiences the first official sunrise of a new day for 90% of the year. And this is most likely to be the case in just a few hours from now on January 1st, 2023 as well. A quite little uninhabited atoll called Carolyn Island, the easternmost island in the grouping, is usually the first land body to welcome the new sun. This means that if you build a house here and had a relative in Hawaii, you'd have to wait almost a full day after celebrating the new year to wish your relatives a great 23. So, what time is it, anyway? Temporarily speaking, again, we are a few hours from midnight plus one second for the new year of 2023. Yet in God's time clock, we are a mere atomic moment from the fulfillment of his next major prophecy, the rapture. No one knows the day, nor does anyone know the hour. And even if they did, none of us are fast enough to capture even in our imagination the very moment of Jesus' shout, because the Bible declares it shall be in an atomic moment the smallest particle in the universe inside the twinkling of an eye, eye that twinkle scientifically determined to be 11 one hundredths of a second long. So following Jesus' command in Mark 13, 36-37, lest coming suddenly he find you sleeping. And what I say unto you, I say unto all, watch. And Paul's exacting advice, while it is called today, we believers need to be on watch. And there are a boatload of twinkles between now and this upcoming midnight we are all waiting for. And the speed of time in this world is only accelerating exponentially. So let's finish determining what time is it anyway. Microscoping Peter's reference, but beloved, be not ignorant of this one thing, that one day is with the Lord as a thousand years and a thousand years as one day, 2 Peter 3.8, one thing, the ordinal number one, is understood to be a certain thing. That is, it is only that one thing that Peter is demanding us to be certain of. Also, one day, identically, has Peter focusing on one 24-hour day. 
Peter then equates in God's eternal view, one 24-hour day is as 1,000 years. Conversely, Peter reveals that to God, 1,000 years is equal to one 24-hour day. Hebrew scholars confirm that when an ordinal number, such as the word one, precedes the word day, it must be understood to be one 24-hour day. God created the world, as recorded in Genesis chapter 1, as the first day, the second day, the third day, the fourth day, the fifth day, the sixth day, and on the seventh day, God rested. Each day being 24 hours, according to proper grammatical exegesis, establishing clearly the conclusion that the earth is, in God's view, only a smidge over 6,000 years young. So, what time is it, anyway? Just a few hours before the beginning of the first 24-hour day in the year of our Lord, 2023. And that's plenty of time to meet Jesus and know the creator of the universe is your Savior. And then you'll have all of eternity in which to thank him. Now, here's the wrinkle, folks. We are now in and on and in the evening of January 8, 2023, one week after this was written, roughly around 7.45 Sunday evening. Unbeknownst to me, last New Year's Eve, the program recording froze as I was beginning the delivery of this message. I was, in fact, speaking into a dead mic throughout the program. At the very end, I received a phone call to explain I had been speaking into dead air the entire show, much like folks ignoring the rapture. As they continue with their lives, multitudes across the earth, unaware of the tsunami wave of catastrophes washing down over and across the entire earth in that very hour, in that very moment. What had taken place was a glitch, only momentarily shutting down the internet connection. Anyone aware simply had to quickly reboot and sign back in wherever they were posting. Since the screen that I key off was hidden by my manuscript, my positional screen remained live, showing me active. I spoke for nearly 30 minutes on a dead hookup. I certainly couldn't help but reminded of a verse in the upcoming pot of Shah for this evening, Purge your conscience from dead works to serve the living God. Hebrews 9, verse 14. And God graciously allowed me to suffer through this humiliation to give me another excellent example of imminent rapture and the chaos to follow. So I ask once more, what time is it anyway? Next week, the good Lord willing, we will return to our Proverbs study. Picking up with our Torah portion for the evening, we'll be finishing the second half of our Parsha, begun last week, Parsha Pekude, the accountings, Exodus chapter 40, verse 38. For the cloud of the Lord was upon the tabernacle by day, and fire was on it by night, in the sight of all the house of Israel throughout all of their journeys. As incredible as this sounds, as amazing as it must have been to follow this cloud day and, and, and by day and, and fire by night for 40 years. Yet, as the book of Hebrews emphasizes, we who have come to know the Lord, whom to, excuse me, whom to know is life itself, have a far superior experience, excuse me again, available to us. 
But Christ being come and high priest of good things to come by a greater and more perfect tabernacle, not made with hands, that is to say, not of this building, neither by the blood of goats and calves, but by his own blood, he entered in once into the holy place, once having obtained eternal redemption for us. For if the blood of bulls and goats and the ashes of a heifer sprinkling the unclean sanctifies to the purifying of the flesh, how much more shall the blood of Jesus Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God, purge your conscience from dead works to serve the living God? Hebrews 9 verse 14. As we turn to the final words of the Gospel of Matthew, Jesus is telling the disciples, all power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Ruach HaKodesh, the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. As we press forward with Jesus' commands and power and in his presence, realizing the rapture is going to snatch us up to be with Jesus at any moment, in the same way the cloud and fire would move the children of Israel, albeit our move shall be much, much faster, we can be comforted to know that God is already preparing to instruct 144,000 young Jewish male virgins of all the tribes of the children of Israel to finish the evangelizing of the world. You can find that prophecy in chapter 7 of the book of Revelation. Chapter 7 of the book of Revelation. And Jesus will be with them even unto the end of this age when he returns to earth, beginning in Revelation chapter 19, verse 11 and following. Accompanied by all we who know him will be with him on white horses and have become his bride, accompanying Jesus, each of us on a white horse descending to the Mount of Olives. And he assembles to this accounting. And that's where we end. We say Shabbat Shalom, but I'm not going to close right away. We've got a little bit of time left. And uh, I'm going to try and look right into the uh, camera. Can I do that? No, the camera's over here. Let me come over here. Let me do this. Okay. Yeah, am I looking at you guys? Am I looking you in the eye? <laughs> I love giving out this information, and that's what it is. It's God's information. And the perfect parts are his, and the rest of it, it's all mine. I'm going to have to burn for it when I meet, meet him at the seat, the Bema seat. And that's, for Christians, that's an inside joke. They're all chuckling at that idea. But the point being, we were coming up to New Year's Eve. It was huge. It was big. People were going on all kinds of, I saw a girl in one of the things on the New Year's Eve shows, and she, she was a young girl. And she says, I'm at a bar. She says, they've got drinks at the bar. I mean, I'm like, whoa, man, she's a young girl. <laughs> yeah, I, you know, we all go into all of that. But, you know, I wasn't always following Jesus and seeking to, to fulfill his word and to be with him. And even now, as a Christian, people say, well, what kind of Christian are you? And I say, I'll tell you the truth. I'm a Romans 7 Christian. And people who know the Bible, people who know Romans 7, they know that was the place where Paul confessed, speaking 
of himself. He said, oh, wretched man that I am. Wretched man. The great apostle Paul, if you had a banquet in, in, in Dallas, man, I mean, the seats would be buying out and they'd be front seats, a million dollars a seat, you know, and here comes, and they're all in their tuxes and this, that, and that, and here comes Paul in his simple robe, he comes up to the microphone and they're all expecting this big, oh, it's the apostle Paul, ah! and he gets up there and he looks around at this huge audience, televised going off to the world naturally, it's the apostle Paul. And he says, oh, that which I would do, I don't do. That which I don't want to do, I end up doing. Oh, wretched man that I am. Who is going to save me from this death? And he says, I thank my God through the Lord Jesus Christ. All of that in chapter 7 of Romans, Paul wrote well over two-thirds of the New Testament. You can listen to his words, the words of Peter, words of the Apostle John, words of Mark, Matthew, Luke, all of them. And you can let God lead you and teach you. And all you have to do to have that happen, it happened to me 48 plus years ago when I discovered that the Bible was alive, long story short, and I began to read it as a live book, as a live manuscript, God speaking to me. And this is not any different than any other Christian. Every Christian reads it that way. And you hear all these different things, why? Because God doesn't mess with our individuality. He's teaching Terry the way Terry needs to learn Whatever your name is, he's going to teach you the way you learn. And you, you're going to read things that are going to make sense to you that if I read them, I wouldn't even see it. And then little by little, we come together and we understand. Jesus said, the world is going to know Christians by their love, one for another. I saw two young Mormons out on the street. And of course, they had their <laughs> they had their white shirts. I don't, I don't know if I should tell the story wearing a white shirt, but I saw these two guys, and they're in the white shirts across the street, coming down and wheeling their bicycles. And I yelled at them, and I said, "I know who you guys are." And they started laughing, and I went over, and we talked, and we fellowshiped over. And I can't remember his name, but there's a young Mormon that became a Christian. I wrote a review of his book on Amazon, as a bunch of other people did. But anyway, it's quite a. But he's done some good work there. He's helped to open up some doors of communication with people. And that's what it's all about, is finding out about Jesus. If you get a chance, tune in to Last Christian on Revelation Radio. That's one word, revelationradio.net. Last Christian, to hear more about maybe you'll be the last Christian. And in the meantime, the Lord willing, we'll be here next Sunday night, going back to our study on Proverbs. It says that mercy Mercy purges sin. Mercy purges sin. That's in Proverbs. And until then, now I say, Maranatha, God be with you. Come, Lord Jesus. And that's the wrap for this evening, folks. May we all join together in prayer 
that each of us has a good night. And the Lord willing, until we meet next time, or until Jesus shouts and we meet in the air, or at supper, here's bidding you all, each and every one, the very best Jesus has to offer you. From the eye of the storm, this is your host, Terry Farley, bidding you a good evening.